This weekend at Augusta, it's the Masters. And with 50% off a Now Sports membership, you can catch every, 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 and every. Watch all four days of the Masters live with 50% off a Now Sports membership for three months, bringing you all 11 Sky Sports channels. Join in at nowtv.com. 18 plus, streamed via internet. Offer ends 2nd of May. Standard pricing after three months. Welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and I'm really pleased this week to be joined by Lib Dem leadership hopeful Layla Moran. We're really keen to talk to Layla. It's been a bit Lib Dem heavy the last few weeks, but she's got some really, really interesting things to say. Let's hear what she thinks about the future of her party. I'm really, really pleased today because we are joined on Pod's Own Country by Leila Moran, Lib Dem Leadership Hopeful. Leila, thank you so much for being here. It's really, really good to have you. Oh, it's delightful to be with you. How are you doing? Yes, not too bad. Thank you. Coping with lockdown, cooped up in my flat and working with the rest of the country. How has uh, your lockdown been so far? Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure like everyone, it's it's deeply deeply frustrating um but we're doing it for everyone else and it's the right thing to do i have to say i am really looking forward to pubs reopening i'm not going to lie um particularly in summer um i'm definitely not going to be sitting inside but i will you know sit outside in a pub garden socially distanced i can't wait oh i agree give me a beer garden um let's look let's jump straight in because i know we're all pushed for time as ever you've put yourself forward to be the next Lib Dem leader and the simplest question I suppose is why? Because I believe that there is a different way of doing things in this country and it's been too long since the Lib Dems have had that positive message to be able to give people. Um, Right after the election I went door knocking all around the country and what people told me was that they didn't know what we were for and also that they felt let down um, and that they'd lost trust not just in whichever of the other parties represented them, but also in politics in general. And that just broke my heart. So I think what we need now is a party that is putting forward a distinctive vision, a liberal vision for Britain and all the listeners who are now like, what does that even mean? I mean, that's the point. Um, And liberalism to me means, you know, freedom, the clue is in the name. So free free to thrive in the life that you choose, Uh, for communities to also thrive because those people are thriving. But in order to do that, you also need to be free from things like ignorance, poverty and conformity. So in a nutshell, it's two sides of a coin that the other parties play. But we have a distinct approach and a real USP in investing in people and communities that I don't think the other parties have. And now is the time to make that positive case. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of it's it's a trust thing, isn't it? You know, we we talk about rebuilding trust in politics all the time, and we've we've seen that across the spectrum. Really, trust kind of collapsing. Is that something you're building into your your bid? I suppose. I absolutely agree with you that there is a general loss in politics, and I think it's come partly from, you know, people who've never had a job outside of politics. They, I, I was a teacher. I was a maths and physics teacher before I was an MP. And most of my experience actually lies outside of Westminster. I'm very much an outsider looking in. Yeah. 
which is what I think a lot of people are as well. You know, they're looking at Westminster and they're going, oh, my God, how do they behave that way? And I'm really proud to have been one of the MPs who uh, voted to move Westminster out of London. I mean, that would have been a really good start, I think, mm -hmm. to stop it being so London centric. Um, even though my seat is in Oxford, I, I recognise that the government has become a government mainly of London. They are claiming to now wanting to be investing in the Northern Powerhouse, but I've yet to see any actual evidence of that yet. And I do think that when people level at the Lib Dems, you've become London centric. I kind of agree with them. And that's what I want to change. We cannot remain to be London centric. We can't keep making policy that only really works in a small part of the country. We need to be a party of ideas that resonates across the whole family of nations across the entire United Kingdom. Mm -hmm. I think it's the kind of moving out of London is an interesting one because we've had rumours, haven't we, for months that the uh, House of Lords could move to York, which we would, mm. which we'd welcome in Yorkshire, obviously, of course. Um, but it's I'd welcome that too. Yeah, and exactly the kind of thing you're saying about getting stuff out of Westminster. I think you might have heard, uh, if you're a Pod Zone Country listener, and I'm sure you are, that we had Servants Cable on. Um, I did. Yes, and he was kind of suggesting that the party has a better chance in the South than the North. Is that something that you agree with, something that you'd want to tackle? Well, I definitely want to tackle it. I mean, it depends at what level you're looking at. On the one hand, I don't agree with Vince on this. I mean, if you just look at local government, we have been making gains in the last few years. I mean, yes, you know, uh, through the 2015 period in particular, it was really difficult, but we are on the up and we are making gains and we now run uh, York Council. Yes. Um, and so we, we are on the up. And what I would say to people in Yorkshire is that if you want power back, you know, and if you feel that Boris Johnson is letting you down, then you've got a friend in the Liberal Democrats. I mean, we are a party that believes, for example, in a Yorkshire Parliament. Yes. Uh, it's been long-standing uh, party policy, and I fully support that because actually one of the things that I think we offer that the other parties don't offer is a really bottom-up approach, which has been really come to the fore during, during COVID-19. Mm -hmm. We believe that if you empower people to do things then they will just do it and we believe them best in people and what we've actually seen is Lib Dem run councils have dealt with this better Interesting. Um, and they've just been much more nimble at being to tackle the big issues. COVID-19 is just a dress rehearsal for things like the crash in the economy that we're about to face, climate change which remains you know the biggest issue facing the entire planet. Um, I want people to know that the Lib Dems are on their side on those things but we are not a top-down party. We believe in giving people the power to be able to tackle it. And, and we trust people to do that. Um, and I don't think that people recognize that about us. So I do think that we are on the up. But to what he's saying about, you know, what seats are most winnable next time uh, at the next election, which, by the way, is a long way away. You know, that's 2024. Brexit four years ago had only just happened. And look how much politics has changed since oh, then. God. So I wouldn't be counting any chickens Terrifying. between now and then. <laughs> but if you just looked at where we were second, yeah, there are more seats down there. But we are absolutely going to be gunning, particularly for places like Hallam, Sheffield Hallam. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be there so often as leader, I might as well move there. Yeah, I think Sheffield Hallam was, um, well, we were all pretty sure that it was going to going to go live down. Really, weren't we? Um, and uh, it was a bit of a shock on election night, I think, for for, for a lot of people, in, including maybe Olivia Blake herself. I'm not sure she'd thank me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was in that position in 2017. I won my seat in a shock win in, in kind of the same way. And um, 
uh, what I when I went door knocking in, in Sheffield Hallam, I mean that was actually where a lot of the green uh, issues that I've been talking about a, a green and a green recovery through COVID that went down really really well. And also uh, because I'm a former teacher, mm. uh, I've also been talking a lot about education. And I think that's something that really resonates not just in Hallam but across the whole of Yorkshire. I mean we've heard today that Boris Johnson has got his Build Back Better speech and he's talking about bricks and mortar. What people need to realise is that actually the issue in large parts of the country isn't just infrastructure, it is infrastructure, but it's also recognising that people are part of that infrastructure. You have to give people jobs and opportunity. And, and what I kept hearing when I was out talking to voters who don't normally vote Lib Dem, I was really clear about going to do that, was that they didn't feel that, that they have that same opportunity and that if they wanted it, they'd have to move. And I just think that is totally counter to what we stand for as Lib Dems, because what we want is strong communities above everything else, um, because that's where people thrive. I think that's such an interesting point, you know, about the infrastructure. We had um, uh, Jim McMahon on Labour's new uh, shadow Northern Powerhouse Minister a few weeks ago, and he was talking about how in his role, he wants the Northern Powerhouse to be seen as more than just kind of, you know, building new train lines, essentially. Um, and it sounds similar to what you're saying. And it from, yeah. from the Prime Minister's speech today, we don't seem to have deviated far in this idea from it just being big infrastructure. It sounds like yep. a similar argument from your side that levelling up this, this buzzword that we all say all the time and get sick of is so much more than just building big things. Is that is that the case? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's about people and it's about... Yes, if you build big things, you need people to build them. Fair enough. And that's partly why I'm pushing for a green, a green recovery through COVID, because actually, if you look at the stuff that you'd need to do to really supercharge that green recovery, you're looking at re-insulating homes, which also, by the way, reduces uh, people's bills. So that's just an obvious thing to do. You're looking at research and then innovation. So you're looking at helping startups and new companies come up with new ideas. It's really people focused. Um, but we also have to be really mindful that in large parts of the country, there are going to be industries that are going to really struggle during this time. And we need a way of tackling the economy right now. And you do that by investing in people. So what I've called for is a mass retraining program for anyone, not just young people, although we have to be very, very very mindful of the lack of life chances that young people could have. We saw that in 2008, nine, and they never really recovered. Mm -hmm. But actually, this is going to affect people in the middle of their careers now. Um, and so we can't let them go. And that's why I've been pushing for a universal basic income. Yeah, absolutely. Because while this is happening, uh, while, you know, we've got the ups and downs of the economy that we're about to see, um, a universal basic income is really the only way, in my view, of making sure that people don't fall through the cracks. Universal credit doesn't work. It leaves too many people behind. It's a broken system. Uh, they aren't about to change it so that you get it on day one. I mean, it really is heartbreaking, the stories that I hear up and down the country from people being failed by the system. We cannot have this anymore. We have to do something about it. And I think uh, UBI, as you know, whole council uh, suggested it wanted to do a pilot of, which I was very, very supportive of, I really think we need to start doing that now. UBI is such an interesting topic. We um, at the Yorkshire Post did a, I see we, I at the Yorkshire Post did a bit of a deep dive into it a few weeks ago, actually, because a lot of those UBI labs, the groups that are looking at it, have popped up around Yorkshire. You know, we've got one in 
Leeds have got one in Kirkley, as you mentioned. Hull, there, there's one in Sheffield. And it seems that the concentration mm-hmm. of them are really in the north, but, you know, I, I would say Yorkshire leading the way. Is there, yeah. is there something about that kind of north-south divide in the push for UBI, do you think? I don't think so, because in my area of Oxford, actually, it's also very popular. Mm-hmm. But what I would probably say is that in the north, people are more open to those new ideas and wanting to push them, uh, which is brilliant. And what I want is the Lib Dems to be absolutely on side with people who want to do things differently. You know, that progressive agenda of making sure that you don't just allow people to thrive, but you also recognise that in order for them to do it, you have to keep them well supported. And that means investing strongly in public services, making sure that it's not just about, you know, welfare, but also about a strong NHS, decent funding for schools, all of that comes as part parcel. It's the contract. It's a new social contract that we need to strike. And what I hear over and over and over again, and it's constant, you know, why on earth is there not the investment in the north? Why on earth is there not a mass transit system in Leeds? You know, it makes no sense whatsoever, is that actually the other thing that happens is that young people move away because they just don't feel that there's the same level of, of jobs and they just don't feel that there's the same level of investment in them and so what I've been talking about is a well-being economy like we need to look at a whole thing UBI is a small part of it we need to look at the economy and say to ourselves if growth leads to poorer social outcomes is that a win is that good because I argue that growth is fine and good and actually I support business and as a liberal I would always support business but if that is then driving huge inequalities in our society to the point where, you know, the education system in parts of the north are definitely struggling compared to other parts of the country. How is that right? How is that right in a country this rich? It's not. And so we need to look at a different way of doing things. So I talk about a well-being economy where you don't just measure the economy in terms of just growth. You also measure it in terms of other indicators. So it could be mental health. It could be rates of obesity. It could be opportunity. There's all sorts of different ways that you can measure the infrastructure uh, that is put in by central government. And I think that shift in mindset would lead to better decisions, which would benefit the North. Mm. When we talk about, it's really interesting. So when we talk about things like UBI and better opportunities in education and things like that, obviously they benefit everyone. But those kind of policies are really kind of targeted I, I think often at young people would it mm-hmm. is that is that kind of on your agenda of trying to you know win votes live down back from back from the kind of younger generation I, I say the younger generation I really mean kind of like millennials I suppose that kind of generation. yeah without well I mean speaking as a millennial <laughs> myself just just <laughs> I'm told uh, I graduated in 2000 so I'm told I just qualify just under the um, wire uh, <laughs> just under the wire um, yeah, absolutely. And the reason why that's important is because, to coin a phrase that's well used, like young people are the future. And I do believe that there is a different way of running this country. And it just really frustrates me that people see it as there's only one way. There's only the red team or the blue team. Well, actually, there is a, another way of doing things, a third way, which is the liberal way of doing things. And we haven't spoken about this for a very long time. I would argue it's been at least 10 years, maybe more, since if you asked anyone out there on the street, you know, what does it mean to be a liberal? I reckon they couldn't tell you. 
And the reason why that is exciting to a lot of young people is because it is a different way of approaching the world and approaching the system, which I think they would really resonate with. So my job, should I become leader of the Lib Dems, is to start winning them over because also on a longer term building up the party level, we need to start winning younger voters again, because if they start voting for you young, then there's a chance that they'll continue doing that around the country. And if the Lib Dems are going to stop being, as we have been over the last, you know, how long it has been since the last election, six months, you know, six, seven, eight percent at the polls. I mean, it's heartbreaking. And we need to change this. We need to stop all the massive ups and massive downs, and we are on a down right now, we can change it. And I think you start by really appealing to that next generation, whilst at the same time, really being there for everybody else, as we go through this really difficult time through COVID-19. I think you're right. I think there are a lot of votes to be garnered in kind of younger generations. I just wonder if younger generations of you know you talk about how we haven't discussed what it is to be a liberal in a long time I wonder if they're burned from the last time they were discussing what it was like to be a yeah no I think I think they were yeah Jerry I completely agree with you they were and they tell me they were and they almost say it like well you know how can we trust you and so if you you know right at the beginning of this conversation I said that is what we need to now do with Lib Dems we have to win back that trust and I think we do it by being forward focused we make the point I think that is a really important one that more than 50 percent of our membership is new since 2015 Um, and you don't whitewash our past it's a bit like saying did you regret stuff you did as a teenager like it was there there was some great bits there was some not so great bits yeah you know we have to accept our past and I'm not about to suggest that we we don't but if we're going to send a message to the electorate and other parties who we may want to work with down the line that we are renewed um, then if there was ever a time it's now interesting I suppose taking it wider than the party itself, another thing that um, Vince Cable said was that he thought that Keir Starmer becoming Labour leader was actually going to help the Lib Dems at the polls. He said he was kind of convinced that, you know, at the last election, people were so scared of getting Jeremy Corbyn that they didn't want Mm -hmm. risk voting for for you guys, for the Lib Dems. What are are your thoughts on that? I would agree with Vince on this point. Mm -hmm. So especially in places where we were trying to attract conservative voters. And by the way, that doesn't necessarily mean the entire seat. I mean, one of the things that I learned when I went to Sheffield door knocking was that one of the reasons we didn't get over the line there was that dynamic. A lot of the conservative voters in Sheffield Hallam voted conservative when bizarrely that let Labour in, but they were so scared of Corbyn that they started to to be so scared that they wanted to then to then make sure that yeah it was just illogical and this they is the thing the risk. they didn't want to take the risk but then they ended up with the thing they didn't want and that's the problem with the first past the post electoral system is that people who are trying to just follow their hearts end up accidentally doing something that they didn't want um, and that's why Lib Dems have always campaigned to change the electoral system <laughs> um, because actually I believe that people should be allowed to vote with their hearts um, but certainly in places And this applies to my seat as well. I mean, as I said, I've overturned nearly 20,000 votes, mainly against the Conservatives over the last four years. Um, And I'm really proud that I got over 50% for the first time ever in my seat. And I won't stop saying that because it's really awesome. Um, But I feel also a bit deprived because I reckon it could have been bigger. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is a few days before the uh, vote, 
I was knocking on doors in parts of my constituency, particularly interestingly that voted Brexit. And I've got parts of my constituency that voted Brexit, even though it looks on the face of it very Remain. That's not always, that's not true of everywhere. And um, they were saying to me, we love you as a constituency MP. We, you know, really think you're doing a great job, but we can't vote for you because we're so scared of Corbyn that we would rather have a less good conservative who was going to vote against whatever Corbyn wanted to do. And I was just like, come on, don't, don't do that. So that dynamic, I completely agree that Vince is right on. And Keir Starmer, in my assessment so far, albeit he's right at the beginning of his leadership, um, is that it, that we're not going to have that dynamic in those seats, particularly where we need to win Conservative voters over. And that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand. I understand. It's going to be an interesting, like you say, four years until we're at the next, until we're at the ballot box next to see absolutely we have a we have a long way to go a long way to go between now and then and one of the things that i think you know i've got a great opportunity to do now in this quest to rediscover what liberalism means for this century we have time you know if you look back over the last few leaders particularly since coalition the frequency of the elections has been pretty frequent you know they haven't really had time yeah, it's been it's been, you know, a really tumultuous time in politics. And I think it will be for the economy, but I don't see an election happening before 2024. I think, you know, what Boris Johnson is really good at is taking care of his number one priority, which is himself. Um, and so he is going to try and eke this out for as long as he possibly can. What that means for Lib Dems is that we've got the time. So the first year of my leadership, I really want to get out there on the doors talking to voters, asking them what do they really care about, really listening to them again, because I don't think our party has done that for a very long time. And then as we move towards 2024, finding those messages that are going to show them that we are on their side, that we are going to credibly deliver for them, uh, and that we get the issues that they want us to tackle in society. Um, and we've got time to be able to build that up. So, you know, it, to those who are thinking, oh, am I ever going to vote Lib Dem again? All I would ask them to do is hold this space, keep an open mind. And if we can send a signal to those voters that we are renewed and we've got a positive vision for the country, I'm convinced that they will come and vote for us again. Absolutely. And it's a marathon, not a sprint, isn't it? So indeed, got plenty of time to, uh, to kind of build that up. I suppose the only other thing I really wanted to pick your brains about is really what We've spoken about a really wide range of things today, but if you were on the doorstep, say, tomorrow, or speaking to Lib Dem members tomorrow and saying, look, I really want you to vote for me, I want to be your leader, and this is why, what would, you, kind of a couple of lines, what would summarise your potential leadership, would you say? So, first of all, we need to recognise where we are. What we have been doing isn't working, and we need to recognise that that is the current issue. And my assessment of why it's not working is because people don't know what we are for. They don't know what we stand for. It's been a long time since us as a party, but also the country has had a conversation about what liberalism actually means for this modern age. And in my view, it's about making people be free. You know, the clue is in the name. It's about liberty. It's about freedom. It's about investing in people, investing in their futures and thinking the best of them. But in order to do that, you also have to be free from you know, poverty, ignorance and conformity, these things go hand in hand. Um, people are sick of the way that things are done right now. And we can offer a positive vision for that future. And 
uh, I think my leadership would be emblematic of that, uh, of the renewal of the party uh, from a last uh, 10 years that have been really, really difficult at a time when the country really is in desperate need of hope and positivity. And that's what we are going to be as a party under me. Leila, thank you so much for coming on Pods and Country. It's been a pleasure. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Pod Zone Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I've been Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and this episode was edited by Dave Clay. Now, if you could find us in your podcast app of choice, iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts, we're on them all. We'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to leave us a review or even subscribe and also make sure you tell your friends. We'll be back in a fortnight. If you crave technology that leads, if you appreciate design that inspires, if you want driving dynamics that excite, meet the one. The remarkable BMW 1 Series, featuring front and rear parking sensors, cruise control, fully digital display with navigation and real-time traffic information, along with BMW's latest voice control intelligent personal assistant, all a standard. Meet the one with your own exclusive video consultation. Book yours today at bmw.ie.